This chapel message is brought to you by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Well, uh, you know, we're in the Lenten season, and uh, there's been a couple things I've been working my way through. Uh, one of them is a book by uh, Paul Tripp, uh, 40 Days of Hope. I know you're familiar with that book, but you probably are familiar with Paul Tripp. I trust many of you have read some of his things. I've been kind of on a Paul Tripp kick, uh, reading a lot of his stuff of late. Uh, the things I'm going to speak about a little bit today are derivative of uh, some of the things that he's been sharing in that book and some other things. But, um, you know, we are in a, I mean, we're, it seems like life always brings uh, challenge. We're, there's always uh, a tumultuous season or there's things in the world we just turn on the news. It, it just looks like it's crazy town. There's, there's always something happening. Something looks like the wheels are falling off, that things are just are going downhill. And, and so, you know, we are more than ever, it seems like, in need for hope. <laughs> hope that there's something better than what we are seeing or experiencing. Hope for a new day, a better tomorrow, something that's dramatically different than what we may be experiencing currently in the world or even personally close to us in what we're facing. And uh, if, you're anything, if you're anything like me, I mean, I, I need, to, I'm like a leaky sieve. I need to be constantly be reminded of, of hope and, and finding hope in the right things in the right place. So what I want to talk about uh, today is how do we ignite hope? How do we ignite hope? We, uh, we find our hope in, like I said, we can place our hope in a lot of different things. Let me go back one. Uh, you know, oftentimes we hope for justice. We hope for good outcomes. Or maybe we hope for mercy. We hope for healing. We put our hope in certain tools, medicine, other things to, to bring us to wholeness and healing. Oftentimes, maybe we, we put our hope in, in relationships, good or bad. Maybe we put too much hope in the relationships around us, that somehow they're going to change our circumstances or change the way we feel or, or change something about us. So we find or we seek to place our hope in a lot of different things. The question is, how do we use the word hope? And I think, you know, we have to start there because we use the word hope kind of loosely. We use it in a lot of different ways. I think the first way we oftentimes talk about hope is we talk about it in terms of a wishful hope, don't we? You know, I sure hope I'll find and book that flight, you know, that other flight. That was something that just only a couple weeks ago a bunch of us were experiencing on our way to California for the Remedy Conference. I hope we can figure out how we're going to get to California. I hope this works out. Or I hope it doesn't rain during the staff picnic, right? We hate when it rains, the staff picnic. We want, that's right, Susan. This isn't on your head. But we don't have a lot of control over the weather. In fact, we have zero control over the weather. We have control maybe of where we're going to have the picnic, but we don't have control over if it's going to rain or shine. But we put our hope in those things. We, it's a wishful hope, knowing that we don't really control the outcomes. We just, it's our heart's desire. It's a wishful hope. Another way we often use hope is a moral hope depicting the, the way we think things should happen. is often about justice. I hope she will be honest this time. I hope the judge brings down a guilty verdict. I hope this business stands behind their warranty. 
So it's a question of rightness, justice. We kind of put our hope in a, it's a moral hope. So you've got that wishful hope, you've got that moral hope. And another way we often use hope is in a motivational sense. Motivational hope projects a desired reality. I, I got this degree in the hope that it will pay off in a better job or salary. I married my spouse in the hope that they would treat me in marriage the way they did while dating. It's a motivational hope. And again, these are the ways we often talk about hope or experience hope or relate as we, talk, as we deal with hope. But it isn't the same as a biblical hope. So what is a biblical hope? This is a definition that Paul Tripp gives, and I think it's a really helpful way of looking at it. It's three parts. Hope is, a biblical hope is, it is a confident expectation of a guaranteed result that changes the way you live. It is a confident expectation of a guaranteed result that changes the way you live. So let's break this down. Confident. It is a confident expectation. So where do we find that confidence? Is it just something we drum up from within ourselves? Is it something external? Well, it is. And it's not just something. It's someone external. It's God. Biblical hope is confident because it's not based on us, on our wisdom, faithfulness, power, but rather on the awesome power, love, faithfulness, grace, patience, and wisdom of God, our Heavenly Father. God is who he is and will never change, ever change. Therefore, hope in him is hope well-placed, firm, and secure. He's never changing. His character is such that it is one of tremendous love, power, beauty. All these things mark out who God is. And we can have confidence because of who God is. It is well-placed, firm, and secure. He never changes. He's not capricious. He's not fickle. We can have confidence in who God is. And so breaking that down a little bit just from the word of God, the power of God. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. There's nothing in this world that exists, nothing that you have, nothing that you experience that's outside of the very power of God. Just let that settle. Let that sink in. He's created all things. There's nothing that he hasn't touched. Nothing that is outside of his power. He's also faithful. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. He's good. He's faithful. He desires the best for you. Someone whom you can trust. He's not, again, that capricious. He's not capricious. He's not hot one day, cold the other. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. And he's wise. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments how inscrutable his ways. 
So we have that confidence in God, who he is, his power, his wisdom, his faithfulness. Well, it is a confident expectation of what? A guaranteed result. How do we get that guaranteed result? You know, there are very few guarantees, right, in life. You know, we say, what, death and taxes are the two things that you can be guaranteed of? A lot of things that we put our trust in that we think are guaranteed oftentimes fall short. You know, guaranteed that that ceasefire is going to hold. <laughs> well, we know that in this day and age, you never know what's going to happen when it comes to geopolitics and 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 who's at the helm of any given country. I mean, things are always seem to be changing, always in flux. What you think you have guaranteed today turns out to be not so guaranteed tomorrow. I like the way Paul Tripp puts this. He says, hope is also an expectation of a guaranteed result. It is being sure that God will do all that he has planned and promised to do. You see, his promises are only as good as the extent of his rule, but since he rules everything everywhere, I know that resting in the promises of his grace will never leave me empty and embarrassed. I may not understand what is happening and I may not know what is coming around the corner, but I know that God does and that he controls it all. So even when I am confused, I can have hope because my hope does not rest on my understanding, but on God's goodness and his rule. You know, they say it's, you know, if God's a good God, but he's not a sovereign God, that doesn't do us a lot of good. Yes, he's a good God. He's, he's a loving God. He's a faithful God. He's, his character is right and pure and holy. But he's also a powerful God. He is a sovereign God. He's one in control. So we don't have to worry about whether he can accomplish what he sets out to do. God is in control, Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is also sovereign. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There... I remember uh, hearing R.C. Sproul back in the day saying that there is no maverick molecule. That, that was the expression he used. There's nothing outside the control. There's not one thing that God does not control. Because if God can't control that one thing, he doesn't control anything. God is in control. He is sovereign. So it is a confident expectation of a guaranteed result that lastly changes the way you live. If it doesn't change the way we live, then we really don't believe in it. We haven't really understood biblical hope. It should change us. It should change us in how we relate to the world around us, to the challenges, the fears, the frustrations, the worries, the anxieties, the struggles, whatever it might be, good or bad. We it should change us. It should change the way we relate to it, respond to it, believe it. When you have hope that is guaranteed, you're then able to live with confidence and courage that you, that you would otherwise not have. That confidence and courage causes you to make choices of faith that would seem foolish to someone who does not share 
and have your hope. I want to introduce you to Pastor Sergey. He is a pastor in Kiev right now, and uh, I'm going to give you a QR code after this to show you this link, but he's got a, a page. It's, it's been very helpful. Uh, if you want to see uh, kind of what's going on in Ukraine, kind of unfiltered, you know, you know, kind of eliminate the propaganda and the spin and all that, he has been reporting uh, pictures, uh, narratives, and then these videos, as well as what's going on, but also how to respond Christianly. How is the church responding in the middle of this? Because he gets questions from around the world. Pastor Sergey, how are you able to stand strong? How are you to have courage? And so he puts these little videos as well together. And he is, uh, he is persevering with his congregation in light of the suffering and the challenges that come with, the, with this invasion. And he's standing strong in a hope. In a hope of God's presence with him. Emmanuel with him. That God through Christ is with him and present. And so this is just one of his latest. I thought I'd share this with you. I thought you might be encouraged to hear. You know, because we can talk about hope. And sometimes I, I, I struggle because, you know, in the, talking about hope in the middle of some of my personal peace and comfort can seem sometimes empty. But this is a gentleman who is living out hope in the middle of a difficult situation. So it definitely is a hope that changes the way you live. Oh, let me get that back. Let's see. We Dear friends, greetings to you from uh, Kiev, Ukraine, war zone. And a lot of you are asking me, Pastor Sergey, aren't you afraid of uh, being in Kiev right now? Well, I'm human being and uh, of course I have fears like millions of Ukrainians. But isn't in fear as the question whether I have fears or I don't have fears, of course, I have this fear and this is completely natural. This is human reaction to some problem, obstacles that we have now, namely war. So what to do with this fear? I may suppress this fear. Oh, boy, I didn't get all that in there. We lost the volume on that? All right, let me try again. Let me get back to that. I'm going to... Dear friends, greetings to you from uh, Kiev. Fears or I don't have fears. Of course, I have this fear and this is completely natural. Human reaction to some problems and obstacles that we have now. War. So, what to do with fear? I may suppress this fear. This is really a problem because this suppression will lead to explosion and this explosion could ruin me. Well, I can react inadequately to other people who are surrounding me and uh, converting my fear into aggression to them. Well, this is not the solution, of course, because I will ruin myself and I will ruin those people. Well, maybe then I will allow fear to devour myself. And this is not an option. What to do then in this situation? And the word of God is so powerful and alive that God, the word of God tells me right now that I could express 
fears to my God. Why? Because he is right now here with me. I am in his hand and he says, don't be afraid. I am with you. So I could express all of my feelings, fear to him and see powerful consolation and comfort and internal peace that cannot be described by humans. What is more important that reminds me. For example, in Psalm 3, these precious words of consolation that are precious for wounded soul. David is saying, when I will go into the world of death, I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear evil. Why? Because you are with me. So God was with David. God is with me right now. God is with us. And he says, don't be afraid. I pray for us, support us to make our ministry here and proclaim good news of Jesus Christ to our people that find the real joy, real comfort, and real peace that can be found only in Jesus Christ. Sergei Nakul, Kiev, Ukraine, War Zone. Sorry, the audio seemed coming to the air pod or whatever it was, it was a little broken. But uh, if you want to listen to that video again, and there's a videos interspersed, it's a page that just is kind of a growing thread. You can, I've given you the QR code. Uh, you can um, hopefully get that link and take a look. It's, it's, it's been a good resource, and it's, um, again, given a different perspective. Um, obviously, Pastor Sergei's he's responding to a situation with, with realities, that, that, you know, there's, re, you know, real challenges, uh, physical challenges, but, but he's also bringing to bear the spiritual realities that in spite of the difficulties, despite the pressures, despite the loss, despite the fears, he serves a God bigger than all the things that he may be experiencing, and he can put his faith and trust. And so it's, uh, it's an encouraging uh, encouraging word from him and testimony from uh, him and, and the body of believers that continue to persevere there in Kiev and the ministry that they're having for the kingdom that God is using a difficult situation for his glory yet still. And that's sometimes hard for us to understand, but, but sometimes we see that much more clearer in hindsight than we can in the moment. So anyway, there's the QR code. Um, you know, on a, on a personal level, um, a couple of years ago, um, I know this is going to sound a little strange or maybe odd, but my wife and I made a fairly major purchase. We bought our funeral plot. That's right, you heard it. We've got our spot next to mom and dad and, and all, all the relatives. You know, we, we, we secured that spot. And I will say to you, it is not a cheap purchase. <laughs> I mean, you could go cheap, but you don't want to go cheap, you know. Yeah, I want to go out in style. No, it's, it's this, you know, so we got this, we got this uh, spot and, and, you know, as hard as that was, we didn't want to put that cost and put the burden of having to figure that out on our children or anybody coming after us. So we, we made that decision. But about a month or so ago, I got uh, uh, an image of, of the plaque that they would be putting on there. 
And that kind of freaked me out. I felt like, you know, Scrooge, you know, in uh, Christmas Future, Ghost of Christmas Future, kind of looking at his own tombstone. Well, it had a beginning date. Didn't have the end date. There's a line there, but there's nothing at the end of that line. But there will be someday something at the end of that line. I know, it's, it's kind of sobering as I kind of look at it again. I'm like, huh, wow. But you know, that is, as I was considering giving this chapel this morning and, and, and reflecting back on this, as, as weird as that might be, there is, there is something, though, that's, that can give me a sense of confidence and joy because there's a hope. There's a hope, a future hope in a resurrection. Corinthians talks about that future resurrection when one day all things will be set right. All things will be made new. That we, as believers, will be resurrected. We will, we will uh, be in his presence eternally. And, and so to take confidence in that and have that hope doesn't make something like this something we have to fear. I think, in the, I think one of the things we have seen through COVID, and there's been a lot, of, a lot of issues, but I think a lot of individuals have really struggled and you can see it in the, in the responses with mortality. The idea that they could die has shaken a lot of people up, especially those within the West who we live with a certain sense of, again, peace and comfort. We're buttressed against those kinds of concerns oftentimes. We don't think about that. I mean, let me just ask you this. Uh, your church, I mean, I know this mileage is going to vary on this, but if it, particularly if it's, a, if it's a new church or a more modern church, how many of you go to church and then walk right past uh, uh, a graveyard or have a graveyard in the back? Very few churches, you know, churches aren't made or built with, with places where you're going to bury those who, who are the congregants. We keep death very separate, very uh, removed from our experience. But it is going to be part of our experience, as I said, death and taxes, guaranteed. And yet, as Christ followers, we have hope a future hope that knows that this is not the end of the story. This is not the final chapter. That we'll have a life eternal with our Heavenly Father. So we can rejoice in that, have hope in that, have confidence in that, a confident expectation of guaranteed results that will change the way we live in the now, in the present. Because even though Christ will come again, and that's a not yet, there is a now experience. There is an in-between time that you and I live in, and it will, having that hope will change the way you and I can and should be living today. Let me pray. Father, thank you for that hope. Thank you that we can have that confidence. Thank you that it is a confidence in your character, the beauty of your character, your holiness, your love, your perfection, and that it guarantees results because of your sovereign control. Father, let these truths sing deep into our heart and change the way we live through our hands and feet. Apply them. Make us more and more conformed and transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.